0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hatchesan, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human and non-corporeal listeners. Greetings to everyone. Ben isn't the only person I'm talking to today on our podcast. We also have our other good friend and fellow automotive journalist, chad kirchner say hi to everybody chad
1: please hello area 51 narrow to runners
0: (laughs) you know
2: sammy you introduced us as your good friends but have either of us ever helped you move
1: uh that's true true. i would help you move
0: okay it's it's easy
1: to say that from your ohio stronghold (laughs) it is that's why i said it
0: (laughs) well if i was moving to ohio i'm sure he'd, he'd help me out I don't know why you would move here. As
2: somebody who lives here, I don't know why you would move here. <laughs> to be more essential, Chad. What about those Cleveland Browns?
0: <laughs> um, if this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, we are a bunch of automotive journalists. We have some cool cars to talk to you about this week. You can find my work um, at autoguide.com as well as autotrader.ca. You can find Ben's work at a bunch of crazy places all over the internet. Ben, please give me at least two. Um, automobile Magazine and Hagerty Classic Car. But our very special guest, Chad Kirshner. This is a man on the internet, and you can find his work in a bunch of amazing publications. Chad, please give me a couple of them right now.
1: I'm pretty sure my mom was the only one that's ever called me very special. So I I don't know if I should feel honored or offended.
2: This is is a very special episode of the (laughs) Automotive Podcast.
1: Yes, it is. Um, So you can – I mean the current issue of Truck Trend, uh, talking about a very, very cute puppy named um, Benito. Benito. Um, he's a little Chihuahua mix that we found. Um, and then also when you do listen to this, if you head over to the drive, I have a life at 30 miles an hour review of the, uh, Ford GT supercar. So,
0: okay, cool stuff. So, truck, tent, truck Trend, The Drive, and I've seen your name on some other places. I think I've seen you on Car Buzz and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, Auto Guide and stuff like that. So um, Now, the reason we brought
0: Chad onto the podcast today is because he drove a very interesting vehicle also, that we need to talk about. Also, a that vehicle hates. that's
2: controversial because we've talked about it in the past briefly with none of us having driven it. <laughs> right. And we so, have some very strong opinions,
1: which so seems I logical. Give, I want to give... I want to give the listeners a tad bit of backstory. Um, the last time I was on, uh, which I always appreciate being on, uh, I talked about I think the Shelby GT350. It was one of the couple times I've been on recently, and um, we were talking about Mustang variants because you folks have been in um, the Bullet lately. You've been in the GT350, uh, PP2. There's all these different variants of Mustang, and, and
0: PP1. We were in PP1, and, PP1, right. and PP2. we were in every PP available.
1: <laughs> And I mentioned that there's this high-performance pack, uh, four-cylinder one coming, and Ben pretty much declared that he hates it, um, <laughs> having not driven it.
2: That sounds it. like Ben. <laughs> and, I mean, and, I'm honestly not about real-life experience. Just just going to put that right. out there.
1: So, I, so after driving the car this week, I'm like, hmm, who should I talk to about this car? So I figured, hey, it'll be interesting content because um, it is an interesting car. I don't know if I love it. Um, but there are some advantages to it over other cars in the Mustang line, other trims in the Mustang lineup. So. All right, so,
2: so, so, I guess to get started, just kind of give us a background on what the car is exactly and why. Got one dis- heck of a name, right? And why Ford decided to bring it to market.
1: So, um, it's officially called the 2020 Ford Mustang EcoBoost High Performance Pack with available uh, Handling Package. Um, from now I'm on, I will call sure it. I've
0: got a great badge on
1: the back for that uh they for yes they do um and from this point on i'll refer to it just as hpp um they couldn't call it the svo and it turns out that's because nobody works for svo anymore and because everything falls under the ford performance badge uh there was some issues with just calling it svo um but if you want to think of it as an svo maybe you could I
0: mean, if they've decided to put the ST badge on edges and explorers. Why couldn't they have done it on a Mustang? Yeah, why especially, couldn't just just be an ST
2: or or you know like SVO Heritage Edition or something. Right. <laughs>
0: um,
1: that's a really fair question, especially considering that I think that putting ST on the two crossovers they have has diluted the ST brand just a little, um, just a tad. Um, I don't care for the Edge ST at all. The Explorer ST is not bad. Um. It's better as an ST, even though it's heavier. Uh, but that's neither here nor there because they didn't call this car that. Right. What this HPP. car, what this car does have though, is it's a it's a 2.3 liter EcoBoost engine, but it's not the 2.3 EcoBoost that you get in the base car. It's actually the exact same engine, more or less, as the Focus RS. Oh, so okay. it's actually, So it's built in Valencia um, and shipped over here. Uh, it does have a unique turbo and some unique componentry to it because they have to mount it um, transversely. Or, I'm sorry, longitudinally instead of transversely. Um, and it's obviously rear-wheel drive only because it's a Mustang. Um, it makes 330 horsepower, 350 f- pound-feet of torque, which those with keen ears will notice that that's 20 horsepower less than the Focus RS. Uh, part of that is for longevity sake. Um, <laughs> probably, probably. Well, there were, there have been some issues with Focus RS engines if you search oh, so for the instead internet. of
0: fixing the problem they've fixed they've fixed the problem is I, I that think, where you're uh, going with
1: right. it sammy i th- i think they're erring on the side of caution and also um they're trying to most likely also trying to protect the rs badge um but basically the engines are the same the turbos really is actually unique but beyond that there are a lot of similarities. Um, That is then power sent to the rear, obviously, with a limited slip differential. Uh, You can get it in any of the base Mustang EcoBoost trims. So if you want the base cloth 100A package with the HPP pack, you can get it if you want the leather seats and there or the recaros and the digital cluster and all of that you can get it with that um you can also get it in coupe or convertible and you can get it either as a six speed manual or the 10 speed automatic
2: so it's it's, um, it's a really like an all-purpose version of the car but if if stop me if i'm wrong here but it kind of sounds like ford is now selling two ecoboost versions of the mustang with two completely yeah. separate drivetrains
1: yes
0: wow okay um we have a lot because, to unpack, though. Because
1: dude. the the 6-speed is um, probably is the same unit, but the 10-speed has been calibrated, tuned, slash whatever, to better suit the characteristics of this engine.
2: So the, the reason I hated on this car when we talked about it, I think last month, is because I don't like the regular EcoBoost engine. I find that in the Mustang, it's joyless to drive. There, it, you it's not the kind of engine you want to rev out. So the, from a high performance perspective, you know, you're you're in the high RPMs. You're not really getting much out of it. It sounds bad. It, it doesn't really, it's not a good match for the weight of the Mustang. All these things together just really made me wish they still made a V6 version of the car. So can you tell me if the the RS engine is in any way an improvement on those complaints?
1: Yes, actually, I can directly address nearly all of them. Um, so the, uh it, I don't have the exact torque RPM slash torque numbers in front of me, but basically it makes uh, nearly all of its power all the way up to just under redline. Um, Mm -hmm. So they, they knew that uh, on the regular EcoBoost, you would have to, you'd usually have to short shift it in order to get the most out of it. Um, This will um, make peak peak torque past 4,000 RPM um, Mm -hmm. and is, designed to make horsepower a little bit higher up. So it still falls off a little bit right before redline, but okay. it stays on boil a lot longer. So it does encourage you to rev it out some. It's also 200 pounds lighter than the V8s up front, and that is a significant amount of weight removed from where you want it removed. So And and, and, and how does it sound? Um, it sounds like a Focus RS. Okay. For good or bad. Um yeah. If you don't think a Mustang should sound like a hot hatch, then you're probably not gonna like it. Um, there are a couple of times where I heard another a colleague or whatever you know, pass us on the drive route or drive around us at the hotel or whatever, and you really think, huh? I hear a hot hatch going by and then you turn (laughs) and then you turn and it's this lime green Mustang and you're like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't sound quite right. Well, that's, that's, Um, that's,
2: that's really happening more and more with cars. not just from Ford, but like Mercedes Benz, Porsche, hmm. um, as uh, Audi, as these companies start to add hotter four cylinder turbos, I I'm sitting in my office and something goes by and I'm like, Oh, that sounds like someone with a stupid wing. And
0: then I look out and it's like a 718 Cayman or something. Right. Oh man. Yeah. That happens all the time. That especially that. 718, I'm always like, what is that noise? Where's
1: (laughs) that that Subaru going? Yeah, Yeah. no, exactly! (laughs) Um, So honestly, it does sound nearly identical to um, the focus alright is it has a it has an active exhaust. Um, it does the pops and the crackles on the shifts. Um, you, what's great about the convertible, and I'm not saying that's the one you should get, but what's great about the convertible is you can hear all the noises even better. So you hear the turbo, the wastegate, and the turbo spool up, and you just it, it's it's really kind of a delight if you're driving along the the Pacific Coast on Highway One. You know, driving quickly, but maybe not. You know, 10 tenths. Um, it's fantastic mm-hmm. for that. Uh, the coupe is what most of you are going to be interested in, and the reason why most of you are going to be interested in the coupe is because the coupe is available with an additional package. It's uh, $2,000, um, and it's the handling pack. The handling pack um, replaces the rear diff with a Torsen limited slip um, with 355s, I believe. Um, upgraded suspension components, bigger brakes. Um, also, uh, Pirelli uh, Corsa tires. So the the super sticky courses, um, as well as Magna Ride. So Ford charges sixteen hundred dollars for Magna Ride by itself. For an extra four hundred dollars, you get a whole bunch more uh, handling goodies uh, that make the car. I mean, drive like a sports car as much as as much as any Mustang can. I mean, that's that, not, that that's not like, the
2: Shelby. That sounds like a crazy crazy deal. That that package alone
1: it is um the only there is one downside to it that i just found out literally today um is it won't you can't get the handling pack with the base 100a package you have to have the 101a so if you were hoping for the most completely stripped out version with the performance pack and the handling pack um you, it's going to actually end up costing you like another Two or three grand over top of the wow. and, and
2: and who would want to have a totally stripped out track car <laughs> with I mean right everything.
1: right exactly um so really the cheapest you're going to get into the high performance pack with the handling pack is around thirty six thirty seven grand um if you don't want the high performance pack or the handling pack um you still get you still get a better suspension, you still get the active exhaust uh you still get all of that stuff um that all comes in at uh, right around thirty three, with the completely stripped out based car. So. And, and
2: and that thirty three thousand dollar version of the car compared to a standard EcoBoost Mustang, what's the price difference? Uh,
1: uh, should be a uh, f- uh, five grand.
2: Okay, so you're paying five thousand dollars more for the RS so, engine.
1: Yeah, so the high performance pack, which includes a limited slip uh, Pirelli P Zero tires, not the courses, but just regular P Zeros of the uh, aerobits from the Mustang GT. Um, the engine, the completely different engine, and then the unique transmission calibration, whatever, um, and a few other things that I'm sure I'm missing, uh, is five grand.
0: And then if you want
2: the handling package on top of that, you're, it's about eight grand more.
1: Well, it's it's two grand if you are in anything other than the base base Mustang.
2: Yeah, so you'd have to, but you, but if you, so the, but just price differential from a, a regular EcoBoost, it's 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 about eight,
1: right? uh, seven to eight. Yeah, seven if you go, eight. yeah, if you go whole hog in.
2: And, and the difference down from a GT.
1: So, GTs typically start without any of the, the stuff right around 36-ish. Um, by the time... I would compare this... I would compare this to PP2 in terms of handling. Wow. Um, I think it's better... I think it handles better than the, the Performance Pack 1. Okay. Um, in terms of just handling. Obviously, power it doesn't have a beat. Yeah. Um, so you're probably looking at another 10 grand or so to get into a PP2. Interesting. And
2: and what's the so it's it's kind of like an equidistant point between the bottom end of the Mustang lineup and the top end of, right. of, of when we're talking about non-specialized versions of the car like not non GT350 GT500 and that. Yeah.
1: And and So what so, so while it may seem like a lot for a so if you go fully loaded it's it's uh what did I say like 37 ish or something um yeah. 38 39 I don't know whatever but the point is um it's very expensive for a four-cylinder Mustang, except it's not just an EcoBoost Mustang with some added performance bits. It's a special engine. Um, it's designed to really be an autocross/slash back road kind of the same way PP2 was designed to be sort of that that more pure sports car experience. I would yeah. say that I would say that HPP on the EcoBoost does that with just less weight up front, less power obviously, but less weight up front as well.
0: What I like about it is that the the engine itself is like the heart of, of so many cars. And to have a car that, to have an engine that seems like it's close to the original EcoBoost motor, but it's actually all the way, it's built in Spain, brought over from, from Valencia, Spain, has a completely different um, character than the or normal EcoBoost motor. Well,
1: and what I would say is it has character. Yeah. Because I, th- because I think Ben is absolutely right, that that 2.3 liter that's in a normal EcoBoost has no character.
0: I love this idea of paying... I mean, I think a Mustang should have character from the get-go, but at least we see there's a big... There's a drastic difference in one of the most important aspects of the vehicle, and that being the motor. Um, Altogether, it sounds like a very good alternative to... Ben, do you remember that that two-liter turbo Camaro 1LE you drove?
2: More than remember. I'm actually actively looking at it right now because... (laughs) I was curious about how they compared price-wise and it turns out that they're fairly close. If you get a the the, the least expensive version of the 1LE Camaro with the turbo four cylinder which comes in I think 1LT trim, it's a 31990. Okay, okay.
1: And that was and that was literally the first question that I asked their team there is how do you compare this to 1LE? Um and I I I listened to the episode where you both talked about the 1LE and um I think that this engine, and I haven't driven the one LE four cylinder, but based on my experience with this HPP, it seems to make power higher up into the rev range. It seems to have a little bit more character, which right. I know is what you were down on on the one LE. Yeah, um, I would say that on a track, the one LE is probably still going to handle better.
2: You think so? But but wow. I think
1: that the I think that what you give up in like absolute pure handling performance, uh, you make up with with everyday livability. Especially if you do the high-performance pack with the MagnaRide, because the MagnaRide makes the bumpy roads even smoother. So it's actually great as it's a more comfortable cruiser with the uh, handling pack than it is without the handling pack because the MagnaRide is is sorting out all the suspension stuff. And
2: and, and you know you say day to day we also talked about that one of the big problems with the Camaro is uh, visibility. And how you're essentially kind of in a pillbox when you're driving that right. car around. And it makes it really stressful when you're trying to back up. And I know it's weird to hear someone say that, like, oh, you know, reversing a car is something you do every day. But when you are when you can't see it all, and right. that's your daily reality, that kind of sucks. But I, I think I would tend to agree with you, having not driven the Mustang.
1: Right. I would and I haven't say, driven the 1LE. So. I,
2: I'd say the Camaro's chassis is the pick of the litter from that at that price point if you're looking at rear-wheel drive performance cars
1: yeah if you're i would say if you're a track rat, that's probably the way to go, but then, as you said, you know that four cylinder makes power a very not sports car kind of way and and might be quick on the track but isn't as enjoyable where I would say that you would probably give up a few you might give up a few tents with this, but it's gonna sound good and it's gonna have a certain character to it that you don't have with the uh, the camaro the The main visibility problem that I've always had with Mustang is the wing mirrors. Are too yeah, they tiny. They're oh my small. god, yeah, I
0: agree with you
1: on this. Um, you can get it with blind spot monitoring and stuff like that, but it's just, they're so small. Uh, beyond that, I can see fairly well out of it. Uh, I like that you don't have to get the Recaro seats if you don't want them. Um, you can get base class seats if you want it. Uh, you don't have to have the digital cluster if you don't want to spend the extra money on that. So I like that they have democratized it as much as, as, much as they have. They still probably could have done them a little bit better, but you know at least it's not just like oh if you want the the high performance pack you have to get all of this stuff.
2: So so Chad, who's buying this car?
1: <laughs> um really good question. Really 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 good question because I don't <laughs> know. And I hate to say that because I don't think I think if you're coming from like a Focus ST or a Fiesta ST and you're a blue oval fan, I could see how the idea of having the Focus RS drivetrain or powertrain is appealing, but I don't know if but you, but you lose some practicality when you go from a Focus to a Mustang. Yeah.
0: Um
1: and I a think,
0: little bit of capability as well if you're going from a Focus RS with its all-wheel drive yeah. too.
1: Right. right. I, I think that that's well, it's
0: more th- of an all-wheel drive ish situation
2: in
1: that <laughs> car. Right. But they're also not making that. You know, they're also not making those cars anymore. So what do right. you? I don't think somebody's going to replace their Focus RS because it may even end up being slightly collectible. Whereas a, a Fiesta ST and a Focus ST, I, I can't see those being worth really anything. So
2: It's it's, it's like... Um, the other thing that's strange in the situation is if you're a Ford salesperson and you're in the showroom and you have to tell someone what the difference is between these two cars and you're like, oh, it has a different motor and then they're like, oh, okay. And then you're like, it's a 2.3 liter turbo and they're like, this has a 2.3 liter turbo too. And they're like, no, but it's a completely <laughs> well, different motor. Like I, I see that as an, an unusual conversation.
1: Marketing. Um, I asked about marketing specifically. I'm like, well, what are you guys going to do? Because how i because unless you know about this car how are you going to know about it um and part of it i think is going to be just for enthusiasts that do know about it which i think is a stupid way to go about it um, you kind of have to know know a guy (laughs) who knows a guy (laughs) but they are going to they are going to take it on all of the the high performance tour stuff that they do around the country with uh with the new gt500 and stuff um they're going to have the car out there people will know about it but if
2: you listen to the unnamed automotive podcast you'll know about this car Basically, right. That's the
1: strategy. Right. So, Yeah, so everybody that listens to this, i oh, uh, go buy card. one. Um, but because when you add the coupe and you add the handling pack, now suddenly the Mustang becomes, in my opinion, even more of a sports car than a muscle car. And then when you view it as a sports car, then now you you look at competitors like uh, Miata, BRZ, yeah. um, name yeah. other sports cars, please. <laughs>
0: uh, 370Z or... <laughs> Um, knows what. You Super know what? You know what car we
2: never uh, say when someone says name other sports cars? Fiat 124 Spyder. One Two Four Spider.
1: One Two Four Spider. Never Which say, actually, we
2: never say it, and and and, and for good reason.
1: Huh? I like the I like I like the character of the engine in that car.
2: Oh, and that's my least favorite part of the car.
1: Uh, well, anyway, um, so obviously it makes more power than um than Sammy's BRZ and the Miata, um. I have an FRS. <laughs> no, that's that's the joke, right? Like it's always the BRZ, right? Uh. Um, but I don't know. You know, it probably sticks a little bit. It grips. I mean, it definitely grips better than the FRS BRZ eighty six. Whatever those are called these days. Um, I like the Miata because you can remove the roof. Uh, yeah. but None of those. But none of those are going to keep up. Necess- they're not. They're not going to keep up with this car. Or you could and, buy a Camaro V six. Right, and you can buy a Camaro V6, which you're not going to be able to see out of. But um...
2: What's interesting is, you know, you look at Camaro's marketing plan. It's so much simpler. It's for 4500 bucks, you get the 1LE package. And you can get that package on every car they make, you know, right. pretty much. And it, that's a lot simpler to sell. And, and and the package is largely similar versus if you go to Ford and you want the Mustang, they're like, okay, I want a Mustang that's fast. And like, well, do you want the HPP or the PP1 or the PP2? <laughs> or well, the GT three fifty. Yeah, it's well, it's, like, it's just this constant like it,
1: it's part of that's all of that's marketing though because I would argue yeah. that the H that I would argue that the HPP and the PP two are the same take more or less on the Mustang.
2: So they should have called it PP two. They should have kept. They should it. have.
1: They absolutely should have. Yeah. But well, I'm glad it's I... been decided. <laughs> <laughs> um. Other little observations, the the exhaust is a tad a tad bit droney on the highway. Um, but because it's an active exhaust, you can have it everything from quiet mode to track mode. So um if you adjust that when you're on the highway. Um you get the four G you get the Mustang GT arrow bits, plus you get a couple of little very subtle black striping and some unique badges. So um you can tell it's a little bit different than a regular four cylinder Mustang. It's it's one uh, of the
2: dozen versions of the Mustang out.
1: There. Correct. Yeah. Um, I liked it a lot. I maybe didn't love it because I'm still not 100% on board with a Mustang that doesn't have a V8. Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: I think a lot of performance fans are right there with you, which is probably going to be a challenge for Ford in marketing this vehicle. Right. I, I, I have with, an issue with that, with though. A, like, a, with a, a
0: performance car can be a performance car with no matter what engine is in it. It, should whoa, be, whoa, it shouldn't whoa, whoa. be <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> well, sorry. I mean, it can't be done with certain engines, but... I think that shouldn't have as much – if the car is designed to be a performance car, the engine is just one part of the whole experience. And if the motor is designed to be a performance motor, which this one is, a Focus RS motor, which is high revving, um, you know, it's it's kind of made in a a particular way. It's got – unique parts that aren't shared with like the pedestrian economy cars. I think it still counts the performance motor,
2: but you're missing a a significant aspect of the Mustang conversation, which is, you know, 60 years of history. And a built-in uh, fireplace, and and all of that, that that's all that gets tied together there. I believe the marketing term for that is heritage. And right.
0: things are changing. We well, gotta get, we like, gotta move with the times, people. You want the new world order, Mustang, Sammy? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but here's the thing: like, I that that same problem that I have with this four-cylinder Mustang, this Mustang ST or Mustang RS, which I really wish they'd have <laughs> called it, um, is the same that I have with the new Blazer. Like yeah. the the Blazer being this Camaro crossover thingy, if it wasn't called a Blazer, I'd probably be okay with. The Eclipse Sport Eclipse, Cross, yeah, the, the the yeah, the Eclipse Sport Cross, the the um, uh, what is it? The yeah, yeah, just all of these cars, all of these cars <laughs> yes. that, that, are that are ta-
0: completely take the name away from or the, right, the I don't away from
1: the- I don't know what you would call this, this <laughs> the Toyota top- Supra. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wow. this is I a mean, new Ford Probe, guys.
1: Well, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Obviously, you would have to have. They wouldn't sell enough to make it its its own brand out of it. Um, each one of the chassis are limited or are labeled, so they've anticipated up to nine thousand
0: nine hundred
2: ninety nine being I sold. I doubt that. They could just add I an extra sure. space on that number plate. I'm sure. If they needed to, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> um, Plus one. But, but it's 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 a really good sports car. It felt very uh European in a lot of ways. Um that's built that, that's surrounded by a Mustang for whatever that's worth.
0: Okay. So sorry, I mean I guess I sound a little um cynical it sounds really interesting like i said to 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 adjust the most important one of the most important parts of the the car that motor give it more personality and also offer that suspension and handling that i was really impressed with in the pp2 i would
1: say Um, that i would say that you're not being cynical it's it's ben and i that are being cynical we are Um,
0: sorry but at the same time why spend so much money on a car when there are other versions of it that that can be a
1: little bit more fun i think that's the gt the v6 one le um probably won't be as nice to drive day to day probably not yeah it's i, I see where
2: chad's going with the idea so, this, is, this is like a street and track versus just track
1: yeah so and it's gonna make more power than brz uh 86 and and miata so it's probably gonna be a bit more fun that way um, it's still going to be a
0: heavier vehicle in a and.
1: But what's it, what does it compete with though? If if I know if we're if we're saying that the one LE is probably a little too track focused for daily driving.
0: I, I don't think it is, in, but it
1: definitely is more track focused. To, to get into a Supra, then you're. Yeah. What other that's sports? Different. What other sports coupes are there? 370Z. Uh, uh, and that's ancient okay. and old. Shaking and, hands with history. Yeah. Right, <laughs> a, t- a two series. What a two forty. Ooh. No,
0: I, I I don't think so.
1: Um
0: <laughs> And that's the end of that
2: conversation. <laughs> right. Speaking of but Z cars I want to I w I wanna I wanna bring up something uh just out of the blue um and okay. interrupt everyone's train of thought. I got some good news about my, my Z car motor today. Uh it turns out that my rod bearings are fine. And uh, the knocking sound I was hearing is the crank pulley or the um, the harmonic balancer at the front of the motor had cracked. And as a result, it was flopping around like crazy, crazy high RPM thing will flop. And uh, I need to uh, replace that, replace the 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 Woodruff key. And hopefully the crank isn't damaged. So Ooh. that's fun. Anyway, back to uh, our conversation. But I, I, you know, I just... I've been wanting to say that for
0: the last 20 minutes.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Um, If you you miss the SVO by this, is what I'm saying.
0: Who misses the SVO? Sorry. Who were alive in
2: 1984, Sammy? (laughs) A.K.A. me, possibly Chad, I'm not sure. I was one.
0: But did you miss the SVO at that point? Every single
2: day, I pour Uh, one out uh, in front of my SVO poster, and I think about what might have been. If the four-headlight Mustang had continued indefinitely, I mean,
1: it's, okay, more, it's, like, it's more space, more space than Supra, easier to see out of than Camaro, more than power, Supra too. cheaper than Supra, more power than BRZ and Miata. Um, it's still Mustang build quality, which isn't as great as <laughs> the European rivals. But, but if you
2: are a Supra fan, this engine's you, <laughs> also European, right? True. Yes. So, absolutely. There you go.
0: But, like, that's what I love about... That's what I like about the Mustang
1: And you can get it in an automatic. So if you're a a 1LE buyer... I mean, I'm not, but, like, you know, the 1LE limits you to a manual, correct? Yes. So... As it should be. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but if you want to actually sell cars, you usually have to offer them in an automatic.
2: And, you know, Ford doesn't really want to sell cars. They just want to sell one car, and that's the Mustang. Uh, so no, they, they, they just, are yeah. they are going to put all of these like it's it's going to have everything you know they're not yeah. going to be like oh manual only they're going to be like no it's uh, semi autonomous with a ten speed automatic transmission and vertical takeoff and landing and you're going to be like oh yeah. that's amazing
1: well you can get it with lane keep and adaptive cruise so there you go
0: uh, so, that's uh, what I love about the Mustang though is that there is there are so many different versions of it you can start at twenty six thousand you can get all the way up to uh, hundred. It's, well, the, yeah, it's, the F, it's
2: the F one fifty of the sports car. I forgot or Was that the nine eleven? I can't remember.
0: GT5 to be a bajillion dollars.
1: F one fifty slash uh nine eleven of the yeah, either way. Both Do you work. have
0: a preference? Which ones would you guys would buy? Uh an F one fifty or a nine eleven? Is that what you're No, asking? a type of a model of Mustang. What if your perfect muff that you would buy? Uh, GT
2: right now, GT three fifty.
0: Right. I agree right. with
1: that. Yeah.
2: Although, wait, aren't they not reliable anymore? (laughs) I have a GT350 story to tell you. Um, Did did we we talk about the story on the last podcast, Sammy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, about the the multiple engine replacements. Yeah. Yeah. That is a real issue for uh, the GT350 owners. So um, we'll see about the HPP, HTTPS (laughs) forward slash (laughs) forward slash (laughs) ecoboost.com. Dot com uh dot SVO and we'll see how that goes. Uh Chad, anything you want to say wrapping up uh, your impressions of the car?
1: Um I I mean I, I really did like it uh for all the reasons that we mentioned. Um I think it has character and the four-cylinder Mustang really needed some character. This this delivers on that. Um and if you need to daily and you don't want to deal with the VA gas and you want the Mustang, like you don't want the fuel price or whatever, like yeah. This is this is a lot better sports car than I thought it would be. Okay. Without being perfect.
2: I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how many of these actually get sold. Um, Sammy, there's one more thing I want to talk about on this podcast. And it's, okay, it's sure. not a Let's car, go. but it's car related. And
0: uh for the last, I'm worried.
2: <laughs> for the last month or so, Netflix, which is an online movie streaming service, Sammy, has <laughs> been uh, showing a program called Hyperdrive. Have you seen it?
0: I have, actually. I've watched all of it. I couldn't help but binge it uh, as soon as I got into it. Uh, a friend of mine pointed me in the direction of it, and then I
1: just couldn't stop watching.
2: Chad, have you seen Hyperdrive?
1: I have not yet.
2: No. Okay, so uh, there potential spoilers for Hyperdrive, but we're going to try not to. Yeah. The, the idea of the series is uh, they, they bought a big kind of industrial factory warehouse thing. And when I say they I mean uh, a team of producers led by Charlize Theron but also including a Sun coordinator Andre Andrew uh, comrie Picard who is a very cool rally driver race driver uh, someone I've had the pleasure of interacting with
0: in the past Yeah we've crossed paths we've crossed paths with him in at different events uh, and things like that So very is that sorry? Is that
1: Charlize is that Charlize Theron of um the Italian Job remake fame?
2: Yes exactly <laughs> yeah. that is what she is known for and um, <laughs> It's it's it, the reason I mention uh, Andrew is because most car shows suck on on TV. I think we can all agree there's a lot of ridiculous hype and people yelling at each other, and it, there's not a lot of driving. And I think they've tried to have a few competitive car shows in the past that have just been kind of lame. With the, the Hyperdrive show, they brought in a bunch of contestants from all over the world. And I mean all over the world. South Africa, France, Brazil, the United States. Uh, no Canadians, but I guess that's just how America rolls. And um, I'm kidding. Uh, the Canadians can't drive.
0: And, uh, <laughs> but if there, was, if there was a Tim Hortons at the, end of the, at the end of the track or you know, if it was covered in snow – Bam, Canadian. So uh, they they brought them all, and and they all Or brought hockey. Their own. Yeah, or yeah. hockey.
2: If it was hockey instead of driving, we'd be we, ah. it would, hyper hyper hockey. Uh, they they brought them all in with their own cars, and uh, huge huge differences in like. There were some guys there who were drifters. There were some women there who were drag racers. There were some SCCA champions. It was a really wide range of drivers. And they set them loose on this course that they never showed during the day. It was only at night. It was – and I mean this in the best possible way. Like watching someone play a real-life video game, the way it was lit up, the way they had uh, the obstacles set up. And I mean obstacles. They had a giant leveler balancing machine where you had to balance your car in the middle and and level the – the entire apparatus for ten seconds. They had targets you had to hit with the rear of the car only. They had water. Uh, they had um, water, water obstacles. Features. Yeah, really crazy water obstacles that in fact severely damaged some of the cars.
1: Which um, is
0: wild, like that. that. was one of the most. Okay, so like the best way to describe it. I know you said you explained it. as, like a video game for the for TV. But man. It's like they describe it as as Ninja Warrior or American Gladiators, but for sure with cars of some kind, right? Yeah,
2: like, it was it was fascinating to watch. And um the the uh, differences in the cars. Like there were people there with drift Nissans. There was a guy right. there who had a, a sixty-eight charger that was powered by an, an M five turbo engine. Uh <laughs> they were just these motley crew of There was a supercar. There was there was a guy with a Lamborghini Huracan. Uh, who
0: who really couldn't drive whatsoever. <laughs> and should have used <laughs> another car if he could. Uh, the whole, were, were... Like so much of the driving in this thing revolves around some drifting. Yeah. And um... and some of the cars, yeah. some people showed
2: up with drag cars on a drift course. And I was like, why are these people on the show? I felt so bad for them. But in any case, it's fascinating to watch because of all this different stuff happening at once. And right. for the for the first time, I was watching a car show where I'm going to admit the hosting was not great.
0: Um, it was I really uh, do like it' it's hosted by Rutledge Wood, Mike Michael, Michael Bisping UFC yes. champion and, and uh, Mike two, Hill.
2: two people yes and and uh they were they they were they were the primary hosts of the show
0: mm-hmm. and
2: um it was you know I I was talking about this with Sammy before the broadcast but it's almost as though Michael bisping had no idea how a car operated or had never driven a vehicle in his life. And that made for some interesting commentary, but I wouldn't call it accurate. And I felt bad for Rutledge because he kept having to explain basic things to to his co-hosts and to the audience. And I kind of feel like if there had been no commentary and maybe just interviews with the drivers, which were done very well. And I can't remember the name of the person who did the interview. She was fantastic.
0: Uh, but, Lindsay, I believe. Yes. Lindsay
2: she, she She did a really good job. And it was a nice because... It wasn't just drivers, but it was characters, and you got to yeah. know them over the ten episodes. But the the, the announcing again, as with any car related show, it was was the least interesting part of it. Well, um, every
1: every car show that I've seen, sort of along this this type, has always had a host who doesn't know anything about cars. Yeah, it's it seems I like mean, even if even if you go way back, like go well, let's go way back to season one, Top Gear, like, oh, of, yeah. this, of the of the studio format, like every single show. Seems to, you know, like that's part of the. They need an the, audience standing, the but they don't
2: realize that there's an audience. Right. <laughs> you know? so I thought that was strange, but I I was super entertained. It, it was. It's by far the best um, performance driving show I've ever seen. We're talking like you, you remember how terrible Pink's was. This is yeah. like yeah. this is like sixty five levels above that. And these people, it, they it wasn't just a driving skill. Uh, s- s- seminar. It wasn't just people you know, going out and executing uh, s- um, high-performance driving. Their cars had to survive, too. It was filmed over multiple yeah. nights, and it was a war of attrition. A lot of these vehicles were taking abuse, not just from occasionally hitting obstacles, which happened, but just the mechanical aspect of it. Um, these cars are far from cobbled together, and they're, they're high-end builds, but uh, a lot of this stuff is it's not designed to go again and again and again and again, and each lap of the course was between six and eight minutes so that's yeah. quite a long time to be hammering it on on a drift
0: course and it was what i really liked uh is the narrative that the show also provided there was a lot of um discussion with people in where they come from why they do this and um the, the you know so many of these netflix shows you're gonna you can just like stop you can turn it off but some of them really um put you on edge for the next episode so that you just can't stop right now. It was quite impressive.
2: I would love it if, if in season two, if that happens, and I hope it does, if Rutledge just took over and kind of got rid of some of the more um, mainstream aspects of it. Uh, I don't know how many mainstream viewers are going to tune into a show like Hyperdrive. So why not just go all in and focus Mm -hmm. on the automotive aspect and kind of unleash the chains and make it so he doesn't have to, you know, feign surprise that a Lamborghini was able to
0: execute a drift maneuver. (laughs) Um, so we got to talk about some of the obstacles like, that really like blew your mind. Um, there was this thing that they called a leveler, which was this giant platform on a seesaw. Chad, have you ever would... been on a seesaw with a car? I have. With a car?
1: <laughs> Not with a car, no.
0: <laughs> I mean, usually seesaws have two people. But like this, this, this show required the drivers to balance the seesaw with their vehicle um, which seemed like the most impossible thing to do. I can't imagine how they expected anyone to do this yeah. safely for one and at all. And, and I was so impressed every time they managed to do it. And what was cool about that aspect of of the,
2: the, the every every car had a spotter. That was walking them through the course and telling them whether they'd hit a target, whether or not, where they had to go next. So for, the, for the, the leveler, they were trying to tell them, you know, where they needed to drive to balance it out. But it was all done in the native language of the, of the people who were driving. So you had French, uh, Portuguese, um, mm-hmm. German, and Japanese. And uh, they used subtitles, but they let us hear everything. So, you're yep. involved in the drama, and I like the fact that they didn't try to shield us from the fact that not everyone was speaking English, yeah. and that in, in the use of subtitles was a really good idea because it doesn't distract you from what's happening. No one's interpreting what someone's saying, and uh, it's a small detail like that that just shows
0: you how well produced the show was. And it also shows the kind of it, you know, some people think that wheel to wheel racing is where there's a lot of um, drama. But this one had limited wheel-to-wheel racing. Uh, in fact, no – I guess no direct wheel-to-wheel no, there racing. No, were, there were a couple of a head-to-head couple of-
2: <laughs> races on separate tracks. But yes.
0: You're,
2: you're right. This was, this was people against the clock and themselves. Which yeah. I thought was really cool. Yeah. So um, anyway, Hi- Hyperdrive, I was pleasantly shocked that it was good. Enough people – like Sammy, enough people were like, have you seen Hyperdrive? Have you seen Hyperdrive? And I avoid these shows because yeah. they're awful
0: um i think t- and I, they usually make a mockery out of automotive enthusiasm in a way right
2: completely they, they they fill it with attitude and fake drama and like the, i think netflix also has a show called fastest car has anyone uh seen yeah i guess and chad what's fastest car like
1: um worse <laughs> so um i actually know uh fun fact i actually know one of the uh, judges one of the officials from fastest car okay um so I, I was able to I, after a couple episodes I was getting a little bit of background information but you know it's just it's it's just a drag racing type of show and um it's it's fun but there's the they obviously spent more time finding personalities uh, than yeah. But I guess it is reality TV, so I guess it's kind of hard for me to fault that on it. But it's basically every week there's just a drag race. Whoever wins then goes on to this final massive drag race out in the middle of uh, the Mojave or something. You're talking about Um, Race Wars, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, That's how how Dom used to do it. (laughs) Not El Toro, because they can't call it El Toro in the movie, but, (laughs) you know. As long as you have an s two thousand with a hundred thousand under the hood of the car probably a hundred grand probably
2: probably at least at least
1: a hundred grand because because uh uh sr20 motors will earn a premium during race week or race wars week
2: definitely definitely and and um, uh, Sammy, uh, anything else you wanted to talk about uh, about either race wars and the history of race wars or hyperdrive
0: <laughs> i i would I would love to talk more about <coughs> hyperdrive. Um, but I don't want to spoil it for the people who haven't watched it. But it is—it really is interesting to see the way people approach um, different forms of, of performance driving, whether it's you know, like I said, wheel-to-wheel racing, SCCA um, drifting, and the way that people actually like learn on the go too, and and how they apply that to their cars. And I think it was. Um, it was a load of fun to watch. Really good production value. Um, very creative by the producers on the way that they approached the stunts. So ACP, good good job again. Amazing uh, job.
2: He designed the course as well. I mean, I, I, I'm sure he had help, but he, he was, you know, the driving force behind what that course looked like. And uh, by by far the most interesting uh, performance driving show I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. So, and, so
1: to throw you guys a curveball sure. for a loop, if you will, on the fly. If there was the unnamed automotive car enthusiast show, yeah, which you're kind of on right now, Chad, which <laughs> I was Just so, yeah, just so but you this, know. Is, this is in video. if you were given ten weeks to do a Netflix car show, yeah, what would you two do? Oh my God, what uh, would we
2: do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, every episode starts where we have a car of the week, and mm-hmm. Sammy's in behind the wheel, and i'm I'm in the cockpit of an f sixteen and we've drag race the car against the jet and every week
0: the jet wins. <laughs> That's just how it starts. And that sets the tone. That's the opening – that's the opening credit. That's the, and, and it's still – we still have, like, the tension-building music and everything every week. And but every, every week, week it's I, I, like, same. look at the camera and you can see, like, a bead of sweat, you know. And there's, I like, a, a control tower I got.
2: talking to Sammy being, like, you ready to roll out? And he's like, yeah. And then it cuts to, like, the trunk and there's two of the big bottles. You know what <laughs> I'm talking about? Right. <laughs> So, yeah, that, so that's a bit about how it would look. Um, Sammy, what, what do you think we should have on the show?
0: I love that, but I would like to have it in different locations every, um, every week. You know, so like, like in, a, that's in
2: a different place and like, yeah, they, yeah, okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> and and I, I don't mean like all over the world, I just mean like just the different angles of like the same racetrack, you know, like this the time. Last,
1: <laughs> the last week, though, the, the opening credits for the last week, though, is on an aircraft carrier
0: yeah right. And Sammy's sweating even more than normal. Right. <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> uh, that's my show for sure. Um if you are a Netflix producer and you want to get in touch with us about this show or which I or think... if
2: you're if you're not a producer but you own an f sixteen right and you would like and you're comfortable with me piloting it. and I What's... use piloting in the vaguest possible sense. yeah, Wasn't we 16 hear Netflix your for sale recently. Yeah, there, there, there was actually there was an F four actually. I think you're thinking of oh, okay, and uh, it was yeah. one of three privately owned airworthy F fours in the world.
1: So, I mean, it doesn't have to be an F sixteen. No, it
2: does. It does, Chad. No, don't, okay, don't dilute, sorry, don't sorry. dilute the product. <laughs>
1: My bad.
2: Sorry.
0: Right, what was I saying? <laughs> if you're one of these people who can help us out with our show, I encourage you to get in touch with us. The easiest way to do that is to go to our website, that's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, which we can hopefully rename Unnamed Automotive Television Show or the show where Sammy loses to an F 16 every single week. S-
2: Sammy Chet Drag, race, drag
0: <laughs> podcast dot com. While you're there, there's a contact form. Fill that out, and bippity bop, your uh, we've got your message right there. If you don't want to go on our website uh, for whatever reason, if I you're don't a producer who doesn't use the web, yes, you can reach we out. We definitely to us want on to hear social. from you. That. <laughs> You can reach out to us on social media. I'm uh, I'm on Twitter, at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing, like you probably laughed when you heard our ridiculous pitch for a television show. Um, And you can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. Where where would you find Chad, Chad?
1: Chad. Um, That would be um, at Chad Kirshner on Twitter, which is at C-H-A-D-K-I-R-C-H-N-E-R. And if you want to make sure that I see your at reply, um, please find a picture of Archer doing the danger zone thing, because we're talking about, you know, our TV show here. That's yes.
2: true, and our TV show may or may not be animated. It's certainly, a less expensive jet. Um, <laughs> if certainly, you, if you would like to subscribe and hear past episodes that may or may not contain aircraft content, you can do that at unnamed dot autom- com. You can also go to any of your podcasters, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, everything that's good, CastBox. Sammy loves CastBox. And you okay. can find Unnamed Automotive Podcast there. We would appreciate it. Um, and I just want to say, next week, I'm going to be driving something that is also not a jet, unfortunately, but it is a Volkswagen. It is a Jetta GLI. I spent a week with that vehicle, and we're going to kind of dive down into whether that's fun or tragic. And
1: uh, Sammy, what are you, you going to be talking about next week? Guys, I have news. Holy crap, hold on. In two weeks, I am driving the Supra for the first time. I know Ooh. that Sammy's driven it like 18 times.
2: Sammy is maybe the only person in Canada who's driven the Supra. Oh, my God.
1: You mean has driven it more than like 18 times?
2: Yeah, because I think they gave him the keys and just said, keep it clean.
1: Okay. I just thought I would share that because, that's, you know. That's pretty really exciting. I, I, I I'm, I'm, slowly, I'm slowly catching up to... To Sammy's.
2: I still Um. haven't driven it. I I, I asked to drive it and they were like, well, hasn't Sammy driven it? And I'm like, yeah. And they're (laughs) like, hasn't Sammy driven it
1: two,
2: two dozen times? And I was right. like, I can't verify that. And they're like, we have extensive records. And then they just hung up.
1: Yeah, they're, they're like, he keeps showing up to drive the Supra in his BRZ, and we just don't understand.
2: I think people have to go to Sammy's house to get the Supra now. I think that's how it works. Like, Chad, oh, you
1: might have to
2: cross the border <laughs> and grab it from Sammy's garage. Oh, that's Sammy, possible. Sammy, do you, want to, do you want to refresh us on what you'll be driving next week?
0: Yes, yeah, so a Mini Cooper S um, three-door. Okay, that is very exciting. Uh, thank
2: you, Chad, so much for joining us. It always appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, and I know our listeners love it too. And for everyone out there who's listening, um, thank you, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, everybody.
0: Thank Bye.